Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. All right, here we are back at the boot camp. Bob, I hope you're ready for the next episode coming to you live from Denver, Colorado. Uh, as we record this, it'll come out a few weeks after we record, but we're here in Denver for the Non-Ignorable Conference with Mark Halleck and the Calvary family of churches. And I'm going to tell you, man, every time I come to Denver, I am always surprised when I go for my morning walk of how many just random rabbits there are everywhere. Really? Like I probably, I probably saw 15 bunny rabbits on my walk yesterday morning. So time out here. I I just, are you really seeing bunny rabbits or Jimbo, are you imagining them because you now have a rabbit living in your house? <laughs> nope. Nope. It, it did feel a little like home. We're watching a friend's rabbit for a month uh, that just breaks free out of its cage and roams free through our house randomly. And so I've, I've become accustomed to just randomly seeing rabbits in places I don't expect them to, but still a little surprised as I got here in Denver. Well, it's pretty awesome. I'm uh, here in sweaty St. Louis where it's a heat index of over 100 degrees. And it's a Jimbo, it's a two shower and about three shirt day mm. every day here in St. Louis. So I'm a, I'm a, you know, Jimbo, I'm, I'm not a little fellow. I'm kind of a big guy. And so got a big engine, big engine, got a big engine and uh, it gets hot. I get sweaty and I want to be a friend of the people and available to people. So I have to shower and change shirt every once in a while. But I got another pressing burning question for you, Jimbo. What is the, All right. what is the hug count to date from happy huggy Halleck? Yeah. So Triple H has uh, given me four hugs. We were only there for two sessions. Yes, Yesterday was the beginning of the conference and I've already received four hugs. I assume by the end of the week, I will be in a full chest embrace with my head on his chest. <laughs> yes, you will be. And if you have, if you don't follow me on social media, we've, we've broken that down for you, I think in Twitter and on Facebook. And we'll put it up again on the yeah the process and just kind of what you can expect. The infographic. Yeah, the infographic. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I'll tell you what, being at the conference, I also got to meet some Replant Bootcamp followers, fans that have enjoyed listening to one of the nation's leading podcasts, according to page 97 of the Book of Reports. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, Ryan Durham and his wife were here from Nebraska. I had a great conversation with them, man. And, and so they just wanted to express their gratitude. And so I wanted to give them a shout on, out on here. And man, boot campers, we'd love meeting you when we're at conferences and out and about. And if you're a listener, we love to know that. And it encourages us to keep going and grateful that we're able to be an encouragement and equipper to some. That's awesome. Pretty awesome. When, we're, when we've been out on the road, you know, for our first uh, wrapping up this uh, travel season from last last semester, so to speak, met some some boot camp fans in, in North Carolina and Alaska. It's just great to see those boot campers. And we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line. Let us know you're out there listening. Let us know, you know, how the podcast is making a difference. And if there's a topic that you would like for us to cover. We'd love to, we love to connect with you guys when we, we're out in the field. Absolutely. Bob, today I wanted to bring on, I've got with me from Jacksonville up here in Denver, good friend of mine, Matt McNaughton. I don't really know what to call Matt. He planted a church 
some time ago, but we've we've discussed this before, Bob. At what point? At what point are you no longer a church planter, and do you graduate to becoming actually a pastor? And so, yeah. So, Matt, are, are you a church planter, or are I mean, what is there? Is there a process in which you do you have to go through an initiation? Do you, do you get beat up out of the gang to no longer be a church planter, or how do you guys distinguish? I think it it totally comes down to who I'm talking to. Okay. All right. De- and depending on what I'm talking about. Well, what is it? Trying to raise money. Does it, have does it have anything to do with like, does he have skinny jeans on Jimbo or Air Jordans or is his hair spiked? Is that like, oh, is that some of it or? it? Yeah, I mean, I still, I'm not wearing skinny jeans right now, but. Well, after, but you do own. I do own a pair of skinny jeans. Yeah. All right. After, that after you're a pastor for a while, you can't wear, you can't wear skinny jeans after a while when you're a pastor for a long, because you're meeting people and eating. Yeah. So skinny jeans don't look good, but you know. That's true. I wore them out, so I had to retire them. So I don't actually own the skinny jeans. <laughs> oh, so, so you may have just graduated. You may have just graduated. Have just we were witnessing. There you the... go. <laughs> Finally. Congratulations. Well, I, I wanted to bring Matt on here today because when we talk about replanting, we've talked about how philosophically and practically it's somewhat like the center of a Venn diagram between church revitalization and church planting, Right. And on this podcast, we have really swung a lot further on the revitalization side of that conversation, of that Venn diagram, and mainly because it's just a much, much better, enjoyable world than church planting. But we should give some attention to the world of church planting, and I can't think of anybody better than my good friend, Matt McNaughton. Matt, tell us just real briefly, introduce yourself, tell us about your church, and all those things. Yeah, my name's Matt. Grew up in Clay County, Florida which is where we moved back to to plant our church. Married to Julie, and got two kids. And seven years ago, we planted Grace Life. We moved back home to just reach friends and family with the gospel and did not expect to ever church plant. It was never on the radar. So total God thinks. We've been there seven years, met in a school, met in a shrine club during covid and moved into our own space and just been working towards making disciples, raising up leaders, and reaching the people around us. I think this Shriner Club was my favorite of y'all's locations because it had the <laughs> it had the big hat out front. And I really I was really hoping you guys would have built a good enough relationship there that we could have borrowed the little bitty dune buggies at some point. <laughs> but uh, that never that never happened. Well, they would usually go get the buggy during service. Oh, of course. So, yeah. You could hear them start it up in their little garage and you're like, well, they're getting the buggy out. It's a nice day. <laughs> but I think that might've been my least favorite of all our locations. <laughs> Likely. Yeah. So talk to us about, we've talked about this before, Matt, but what are some of the things you see? Let's just start with, what are some of the things you've seen from the replant and revitalization world that you think would be good for church planters to know? You know, when you're going through that process leading up to launching a church, planting the church, it's all the church plant world. But I, probably the last four or five years, I've learned so much from the replant world, mainly as we joke about it earlier. But as I'm, you're transitioning into thinking more pastoral and caring for people. So from a church planner's perspective, it right from the beginning, your mindset isn't necessarily people you don't have any people. You're preparing for a launch Sunday. So you can learn how to relate to people, 
the the good, the the, the difficult, how to pastor and shepherd people that need pastoring and shepherding, how to lead them well in all sorts of contexts. You can, I think, get a glimpse of just the difficulty of future seasons of your church and to prepare and plan and be on the lookout for those seasons and, and what leads to that. Plus, at the same point, you the replanters I'm around are highly encouraging to me, mainly because there's such a a, a deep, not that church planners don't have this, but the replanters have just this deep desire to see a church flourish. And that's always been encouraging to me. I mean, there's a host more that we can spend learning of learning to do ministry without things. And that's okay. Learning to do ministry with little and being very creative in a different context that God led you to. And knowing that he put you there for a specific reason reason, and trusting in his faithfulness. So yeah, so much you can learn from a church planter. You can learn from a replanter as a church planter. Matt, one of the things that church planters have a burden for, two, two burdens, I think, is to reach lost people with the gospel and then to make sure that their church grows to a state of viability, right? So yeah. th- those are from, as a, as a replanter, I've seen those. W- would you resonate with those as, as two significant burdens that a planter feels? And then how, how did you navigate that when you, when you felt the pressure of those? Yeah, it, the, our whole call to plant grace life stemmed from out of the stories of Ezra and Nehemiah. Nehemiah 1, he's heartbroken for his hometown. And that was, I was reading that when I was wrestling with the call to plant. I'm like, Lord, are you calling us back home? There, I, I have friends and people I've grown up with. I know this community. And there's a there's lostness there, even though it's disguised as religiousness. Mm-hmm. We came back to plant because we wanted to see people come to know Jesus as a savior. And that's what launches into this church, what we're still trying to chase after and pursue and obey. And you get, you start. And then for us, it was, we moved. It was my wife and my two-year-old son who likes to say that he was the first kid at our church. It's kind of a, he's getting older. So he's, he's wearing that badge, but yes. And knowing like, okay, in order for our church to grow, we have to reach people. We have to go out and meet people and invite them and, I didn't realize at the time, but all the people that I thought would come to our church never did (laughs) because I thought you knew me, you come to our church. That didn't happen. So I had to go meet new people. And part of that is knowing, hey, there's a, this model that Jesus laid out for us Mm -hmm. to go and make disciples is, okay, I have to go. I have to meet people. I have to share the gospel with them and I have to bring them with me in order for us to see a church grow. And that has changed over the years, just I think as I've gotten older of my expectations and the reality of church planting and the world and pastoring and the times where I looked out. Oh, well, I just, I was telling Jimbo, our first 4th of July service, we had 14 people. And the only people from that service that are still with us is my wife and my son. So, <laughs> and, and then this past 4th, past 4th of July service, we had we packed out the our our new space. It was one of the, the most people we've had in our new space since we moved into it. And I'm like, what a stark difference 
of seeing these people that we've baptized and, but there are seasons where you're like, did I miss God's call here was, but sticking to the mission of going and, and reaching people in order to disciple them. One of the things that I have seen church planters naturally do, kind of like we were talking about evangelism and growing a church to a state of viability, and so a heavy focus on outreach that's great for replanters and revitalizers to learn from. But one that I see not enough replanters and revitalizers learn from church planters is developing partnerships. And I mean that financially, I mean that networking wise with other, so like church planters from what I've seen know that part of their role is to go fundraise, to get mission partners, to send mission teams, to help them do outreach, to build networks of friendships with other church planters so they can learn from each other and figure out how each other's doing things better than, and be able to improve what they're doing because of what they learn. And more, I'm seeing it happen more than I have in the past, but speak to us about that, the benefit of that seeking partnership, because I would love to see more replanters and even revitalizers take a focus on developing partnerships in all those directions. So when we planted or when we wrestled with that call to plants, my background's independent Baptist. So the idea of partnership was somewhat foreign to me. So when we connected, when we moved back to town and connected with our association, it was, you see the value immediately of there are people who have gone through this before us, or they're right here with us. And they have, they know they, they've been there. And you don't want to, what I love about our association is you don't pastor alone. And the first event that I went to, I have, I'm like, still not sure if this is even something we're going to do. And someone came up to me and said, are you Matt? I said, I'm Matt. He said, can I just pray for you? Mm -hmm. That was the first thing I'm like, that blew my mind. He says, you're wrestling with this. This is a big deal for you and your family. And I just want to pray for you. And that kind of laid the foundation. I I can't do this alone. I need to build relationships with planters and pastors outside of the whole, I need partners to help us just do ministry within the church. So just from a, a personal spiritual standpoint, if I had to do it alone, I would have quit. I know that for those first couple of years, I'd have been... Like, this is just too difficult, the encouragement. But from a partnership standpoint, having people step in and just say, hey, you, you know, you're building a team, but you you, you want to pull off an event. We can help do those things for you, which takes immense pressure off. Just checking in to see how the family's doing. We've had just how encouraging is to the to my kids to see other pastors and other churches understand the difficult reality of planting a church. So I, I I could honestly say I wouldn't be here planting, still pastoring Grace Life if it weren't not for the partnerships early on, right away, and still going on to this day, checking in with me and just saying, hey, how are you doing? What are you reading in your Bible? That's outside of sermon, asking questions that help just give inventory in my own heart. And that's the importance of those partnerships. Man, one of the things that that planters and replanters, I think, experience when Jimbo talked about, you know, there's an overlap of the Venn diagram is isolation and discouragement, right? And so I think discouragement for different reasons, like a replanter is discouraged typically because of all the challenge he has and all the inertia that he has to overcome and all the battles that he has to face to help right the ship, so to speak, and get people pointed in a direction. And then from a planter's 
like if you could name the top two or three distract the uh, discouragements, like what would those be that a planter has to deal with? Oh, I think early on, uh, just from I'll give my personal yeah too because of the partnership aspect and not connecting. It was early on right away. I did it full time. So you're thinking part of this is I have to take care of my family. And when things were not going the way I thought, and then seeing just the, there's no, for one, I didn't, if I would have known early on that, Hey, when you reach new people or or lost people with the gospel and they become Christians and you're baptizing them and you're discipling them, they don't give right away. Yeah. So you have the, the, the discipleship runway. So the discouragement for me was from a somewhat of a financial standpoint early on of providing for my family, just the unknown. And I, I struggled with this is, and this is all my backgrounds, just watching other church plants, what I thought really flourished and they were not realizing that our church was flourishing too, just in God's way, in God's timing. And I think that compare and contrast mm-hmm. can really be a discouragement to you. So early on, I learned don't get on social media and pray for them. And that helped fight that. And now I've built great relationships with a lot of these men who love Jesus and realize that it's just a tactic the enemy uses to discourage. Yeah, I think that moving from competition to cooperation piece is so huge. And I see that becoming less of the church planting culture these days. And I would even say less of the replanting and revitalization culture. But man, it's so important. And thinking back to what we talked about just a few minutes ago on the developing partnerships piece, I try to encourage replanters and revitalizers all the time. Man, there's nothing that says you can't fundraise or find partners like a church planter. I think guys just assume, oh, I'm a revitalizer or a replanter, and so I can't fundraise. Now, here's what I tell guys a lot of times. You you got to have a clear and compelling reason as to be able to communicate a clear and compelling reason as to why someone would want to partner with what you're doing. You can't you can't just go ask people to help you paint your boat that's sinking. It's not going <laughs> to... No, 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 nobody wants to come help you paint your boat that's that's starting to fall into the ocean. But if you have clear outward focused, and one of the errors I see guys make in this is they immediately start trying to fundraise for facilities mm-hmm. maintenance. We need a new roof. We need a new AC, things like that. And what I found is, is people are not going to help you fund that most likely. But if you will start developing partnerships through getting people to help you fund ministering to your local elementary school or middle school or high school, doing block parties and reaching out to the community and partnering with your local, doing a job fair to help people find jobs if you're in a low income area or but like there are things like that, that I believe that I've had success and seen others have success in getting mission partners to help you with that. And then as you develop that ministry partnership, and that's where if you're a replanter revitalizer, go learn from a church planter. Ask them how they do that because yeah. they get trained to do that and, and they're expected to do that. And so they figured out a lot of the ways most likely of how to develop those partnerships, how to communicate well to partners, make sure they know what's going on. Go learn as much as you can from church planters that are doing that and apply that to your context and understanding that once, one, now what I've seen at, Redem- at the church that I led as a replant, we started with all outward focused outreach focused. But over time, as we developed partnerships with churches that cared about our church, that even after I left, they did end up needing a new roof. And I was able to help reach out to some of those ministry partners 
And most of them chipped in to help pay for a new roof. But if that's the first ask, you're probably not going to get very far and you're going to get you're going to be frustrated. But also, that's not that doesn't that doesn't need to be your first ask. And that's what we were saying earlier. One of the things we can learn from church planters is by necessity, they start out outreach focused because no one there's no one there. And so like you think you got no one there at your church on Sunday morning. Church planters often start with their wife and their kids in the living room mm-hmm. uh, and they're begging their friends and their cousins and their mom and dad to just be here. So it's not just us. And they are starting with nothing most times. And so those are some things we can, we can relate to those guys on and learn from them. And so that's one of the big pieces. I think we could, we could sit with, learn, develop friendships. Our boss, Mark Clifton often encourages guys, man, go make friends with a bunch of church planters mm-hmm. and just develop those relationships, learn from them. But what I've heard you say the past couple of days, Matt, is church planters ought to be coming to learn from some replanters. And yeah, talk, talk to me a little about what, what have you seen in the replant resources that have appealed to you? Uh, this goes back to the question right out the gate. It was, when are you a, no longer a church planter and a pastor? What I didn't realize at the time is that when you you spend so much time focusing on launch Sunday, so it's very oftentimes system oriented, you're getting those systems in place and then people show up. Well, right away, you're called to pastor them and you don't think that that way oftentimes. So a lot of the resources from a replant revitalization aspect deal so much with pastoral care and and leadership. And so I find the, the encouragement of, of learning to pastor people where they are, what they're going through, pointing them to Jesus, sitting with them is good. And I think we can learn as church planners a lot from, from men who have just, who love pastoring. God's called them to do this. They understand the challenges and they're going to show up and do it regardless of the difficulty. And then, and realizing that, Hey, Ultimately, it's you see in Paul writing the the qualifications of a of an elder, not the qualifications of a of a church planter. So realizing that hey, this is this is what God's called me to do. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm still a church planter at heart, but nobody a lot of, some there's families at our church now that don't even realize I planted the church. Mm. That's a pastor map. So learning how to pastor people well. And doing so in a way that honors the Lord and continues to carry out that just desire to keep the church plant DNA in our church, I think is what I, I've learned a lot from the replant resources and navigating difficult waters because we're seven years in and it things come up where you're like, well, this isn't everything's supposed to be great. Why, why are we having conflict here? This is we're not old enough to have conflict. But if you look at a so my daughter was born a month after we planted the, our for our launch service a month later, which was a terrible. No one on our assessment team told us <laughs> wait another year. It would be so good. <laughs> so, and I've told my assessors this. Like you could have just said, just wait one more year. But I look at my daughter and I look at our church, and they're the same age. And we definitely have conflict at times. With I love her to death, but it's just raising children, and we have this somewhat elementary school aged church plants. And there is at times conflict. It doesn't have decades of history, maybe, but navigating conflict is often something you can learn from those replant revitalization resources. Man, such, such good stuff. And and I think over, over and over, just my kind of recurring thought through listening to Matt and tell his story is there's a lot more similarity than difference between a planter oh, yeah. and a replanter. 
And so most of our audience is, I would say, you know, replanters or revitalizers, the majority, right? And so what I would just say is, guys, when you when you have opportunity, don't push back the opportunity of getting to know some planters and connecting with them and listen to their story. They'll listen to your story and uh, we'll see a good brotherhood forge and, and move forward. Hey, one of the things I'm really excited about, Jimbo, is at the end of August, we have the Replant Summit. And the theme is replenish and reset. And we are super excited about some of the speakers. We've got Frank Lewis, Bob Bumgarner, Jordan Rayner. And so I just want to put a plug in there for the great work that Jimbo's doing and the team preparing the summit for you guys to join us the last week in August. There's still a few spots available. So you can go to replantsummit.com and we'll put the link in the show notes. We love to see you guys there and I look forward to uh, get to know some new folks and Look forward to encouraging people. Hey, we'll even allow church planters to come to the Replant Summit if you want to. I plan to be there. Yeah, don't wear skinny jeans. Oh, man. (laughs) It's a different crowd. It's a different crowd. All right, boot campers, if you do come to the Replant Summit, man, come tell us, hey, let us know that you listen. Let us know how we can continue to be an encouragement to you and how we can be an equippers to you and what we can do to help if there's anything specific we can do. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.